Howdy, Health Explained listeners. This is Dr. Robin Trailer back with another Health Explained episode. I am with one of my favorite people at Next Level, Dr. Wilner Judy. He is the principal investigator in our clinical research department. Hey, Dr. Judy. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for coming over today. So, our producer, Zachary Reynolds, proposed that we talk about Alzheimer's disease this month. And it got me to thinking, I'm getting old. I mean, I actually, I had a friend call me an old head this month. And I, I, yeah, yeah, she lives too far away from me to smack her. But she's not wrong, you know? Like, I'm at the age where, like, college is decades in the rearview mirror, you know? I've got kids who are adolescents. Um, I am staring my kids' college in the face here pretty soon. And as you march towards, you know, like the the fifth and sixth decade of life, you start thinking about things a little bit differently. And I have noticed Alzheimer's continues to pop up in the news a lot recently. And it just made me wonder, like, you know, what do I know about Alzheimer's disease as a family doctor? How was I taught about it? I couldn't think of a better person to talk about Alzheimer's with than you, Dr. Judy. Um, so let's just dive right into this thing. What is Alzheimer's dementia? Like if a patient comes to you and says, hey, I'm worried about Alzheimer's, what are you going to tell them that that is? For me, it's not so clear. Yeah, it, it isn't clear. And we came out about the same time mm-hmm. and we were in the family medicine trenches. Right. And the same time being early 2000s right. uh, era. And it only then were things starting to change. So before then, the diagnosis was not simple. Uh, really, to get a true diagnosis of Alzheimer's type dementia, it was it was ghoulish. It was mm-hmm. uh, a, uh, a tissue biopsy at, yes. at autopsy. Yes. Just to confirm that, oh yeah, that dementia, that cognitive decline right. was Alzheimer's type. Right. And Alzheimer's type, really what makes it Alzheimer's specifically is the amyloid proteins, yes. the, the the neurofibrillary tangles yes. within within the cells and the amyloid plaques outside of the cells that they see under a microscope. Right. So that's the way it was diagnosed from the early 1900s until probably when we just came out in the early 2000s. Right. Right. And real quick, let me explain that dementia is just a blanket term, and multiple things can cause dementia. So it's like saying rash. Rash right. is a general yeah. term. And multiple things can cause a similar looking rash. Right. So with dementia is a blanket term and Alzheimer's type dementia is one type of dementia. Yes. And it it accounts for about 70, 80% of dementia. So it's the the big uh, player on the block. Right. But you can get vascular dementia. You can get Lewy body dementia. Yes. Uh, Those are kind of the top three. Right. Um, but and then you can get multiple types if you die at age 85 you have Alzheimer's type dementia right. there's a good chance you also have some vascular dementia yeah. they share risk factors they right. share uh, commonalities right so you know when I was in primary care occasionally I'd have a patient present to the clinic with family who's concerned about memory loss about uh, changing personality and there were a few like cognitive tools that I had in my bad back pocket that I could whip out and test patients' uh, memory, their their long-term memory versus their short-term memory. 
the one that comes to mind is the the famous mini mental status examination. Uh, it's a 30 point uh, score and we throw questions at patients and then invite them to respond and we will score that uh, mini mental status examination uh, when they're right there in the clinic. But besides having some diagnostic tools like that that are really more like interview based, there weren't a whole lot of other like lab based or imaging based tools that I could reach for to help diagnose patients with Alzheimer's disease. It really wound up being kind of a like default clinical diagnosis. Now you correct me if I'm wrong, but like back in the day, nobody taught me to go get a blood test to check a person for Alzheimer's disease. It was, it's really unpopular and very expensive to even try to do any kind of neuroimaging for it. Because at the time of my training, the diagnosis or like identifying amyloid plaques in the brain was just kind of nonspecific. It was, it was hard to point to at that time. I'm encouraged that it seems like there's some some newer options coming out for diagnosis, but it's still early. Those things are being studied. What do you recall learning or reaching for in diagnosing patients with Alzheimer's earlier in your career? Yes. Again, we came about came out about the same time. Right. I'm a little older than you, so I kind of take that old head uh, coverage uh, personally. <laughs> But when we were in our early days, when we first came out, you're right, there was no blood test to go to. Yeah. There was no neuroimaging that was consistent that we could use right. back then. It was it was family members noticing a problem. Right. It was these cognitive tests that you mentioned that the mini mental status exam. It's a, it's a blunt tool. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's not a good one to narrow down, no. uh, oh, you have this type of dementia. No. It just, it just kind of tells there is a problem. Right. We'd refer them to neurology, and right. then <laughs> they didn't have much else to do, but at least it was more of an official uh, diagnosis. Right. Uh, and the, their diagnosis, again, I think they still try to be vague because they really the only way to af- uh, definitively diagnose Alzheimer's is with it. Tissue, bi- uh, right. uh, tissue biopsy. CSF, tissue biopsy, yeah. you know. And, and I I found that in my career, it almost always seemed like diagnosing Alzheimer's disease. It was one of those diagnoses of exclusion, right? So you might do advanced imaging to hunt for signs of vascular dementia or to see if you could see any kind of like structural changes in the actual parenchyma, like matrix of the brain. Uh, but if there's nothing super obvious, the next affordable and logical choice might be to just try to start patients on therapy for Alzheimer's dementia. Right. Not knowing exactly if that's what you're trying. Right. I mean, and you're just trying to see if it works. Yeah. And even then, that's the best we had mm-hmm. at that point. And it's it was, they're not great. The, those medicines are not, were not no. great back then. They're not great now. No. But... Yeah, that's, that's when we first came out. We really didn't have any options as far as picking up Alzheimer's, diagnosing Alzheimer's disease. Fast forward into the early 2000s, PET scans start to become a thing. Yeah. Because MRIs really, they can't be used to diagnose Alzheimer's there. It just it just doesn't see plaques. Right. It's just very it's not sensitive enough, right? yeah. So PET scans, now there's something. Basically, you yeah. give a, a marker uh, through an IV. Mm-hmm. That marker is very specific, and you can kind of tailor it to attached to amyloid plaques or yes. PTAU or tau proteins they call yeah. it. And 
they light up and you can kind of see if someone has more of those things right. than uh, a quote normal person. Right. Now you have some objective way of figuring out if this person has a higher amyloid plaque burden or a tau protein burden. Right. And But even back then they were like, well, what does that mean? The, is that really uh, Alzheimer's disease? Can we diagnose Alzheimer's disease with just a PET scan? Right. We, it, back when the PET scans first came out, it, they couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But fast forward even more, and nowadays we do have a blood test that we can yeah. do. It's called a P-tau, P-tau protein. P-tau, yeah. And in between those, you can do a cerebrospinal fluid. You can do a spinal tap, right. get some fluid uh, that circulates in around the brain. Right. You can test that, but that's it's kind of an uh, invasive pr- uh, procedure. Right. But it was an option. But fast forward now, a simple tube of blood, you can get an objective value of a protein called P-tau. Right. And again, each one of these individually is not going to get you the diagnosis, but when you put it all together... Now you have something that we are right. we're getting more and more confident as far as diagnosing Alzheimer's that doesn't involve taking a piece of a brain. Well, and what's really cool about P-tau measurement and even like PET scan imaging is that you can, to, to your point, you can measure the burden, you can measure the, the amount of P-tau that's swimming around in a person's um, bloodstream and and actually laying down on their brain and maybe if you're lucky enough you can catch that physical marker of alzheimer's disease before a patient even starts to show any sign of cognitive decline and that's what's really exciting for me is like the idea that perhaps we could run this special test or do special imaging on unique populations that have higher risk of Alzheimer's disease and give them a clue about their risk of Alzheimer's dementia uh, and its onset, you know, maybe 10, 20 years before it even happens. That's right. Yeah, I love, we're cut from the same cloth. That's yeah. We love uh, preventive Family medicine. Family doctors. Right? Uh, yes. Primary care. Preventers lo- unite. Prevention yes. is key. <laughs> it is. It's everything. So with Alzheimer's disease, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it, before you get the cognitive decline, it, it's 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 a process that takes 10, 20, 25 oh, yeah. years. So it's totally. insidious. It's slow. And you don't notice it, but it's happening in the background. And so, yes, to have tests that you can use to kind of assess your risk early on and kind of focus on things that you can do to prevent or significantly delay the onset of the cognitive decline that you talk about would be huge right right so i was reading about alzheimer's recently and you know in preparing for this conversation and i learned that really only about five percent of alzheimer's dementia patients are diagnosed before the age of 60. Um, and that by the time you're 65 every five years or so your risk of alzheimer's dementia is going to double with age so much so that by the time someone is like a you know i don't know late 80s early 90s that the rate of just blanket dementia really is almost two and three. That's high, um, and there are there are reasons there are reasons that could increase our risk of experiencing blanket dementia, um, but certainly with Alzheimer's being the most prevalent one, 
Um, there, there are some things that we can do to modify our risk and maybe even lower our risk of um, developing an Alzheimer's dementia. Um, I do want to start with the genetic predisposition. Okay, Alzheimer's, uh, Alzheimer's disease can be an autosomal dominant gene inherited disease. Um, so some of us have Alzheimer's in our family, you know, we have a first degree relative, uh, whether it's our parents or, you know, like maybe our grandparents suffer with Alzheimer's disease, we might be at higher risk of Alzheimer's and we might be exactly the kinds of patients who should be screened early for presence of that P-tau protein, either through blood testing or through PET imaging. Um, and so have you, um, I know in the clinical research department, we're, we are involved in a study right now. Can you talk to us a little bit how P-tau and you know, imaging is being used to um, you know, identify uh, patients who might be good subjects in, in the studies that are happening now? Yes, so in the medical research department, we are part of a study for prevention of Alzheimer's, uh, basically. What this is, is a monoclonal antibody that's specific for those amyloid plaques in the brain. And when you give the monoclonal antibody, it latches onto those amyloid plaques in the brain, signals the immune system, and then that's when the white cells come along and kind of chew that out. Yeah, and clean it that It works up. in another way to help help it dissolve better. Right. But it's just basically trying to clear out that junk, which right. is amyloid plaques are in the brain. Right. And if we do that, does that translate into preventing or significantly delaying Alzheimer's disease. Right. And this is in people that have no cognitive decline, that have right. a, or that pass some cognitive ex exams, uh, questions, right. testing their memory. So they're, quote, I'm doing air quotes, normal yeah. uh, patients, but they do have an increased risk for developing al Alzheimer's. Right. How do we figure out if they have an increased risk of developing Alzheimer's? We check that P-tau protein yeah. in the blood. This new protein, it's not quite a thing out there yet. You can find it, but we don't quite know what to do with it. It's not exactly. there yet. Like like PSA and prostate cancer, it's right. a thing. We know what to do with, with that, that correlation. Right. Not quite there yet with PTAL, but it's getting there. We're studying it, right. We're studying it. But within in the medical research world, it's a helpful way to objectively figure out who's at increased risk for developing Alzheimer's or not. So about one to three percent of people that come into the study yeah. both at next level urgent care and also nationwide because it's a nationwide study right have that p-tau protein uh, this is of people between the ages of 60 to 85. yes yeah, so yeah the, yeah those two terms must be met in order to get in the study there's other hoops to jump through right but that p-tau protein is the 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 biggest hurdle to jump over because most people do not have that p-tau protein right and then to your your comment about the genetics you don't have to have a genetic, you don't have to have Alzheimer's disease in your family to enter into the study. Right. But that's one of the questions we ask. We do do that. There's a gene called APOE4, mm -hmm. APOE we call yeah. it. So if you have that gene, one or two copies, it, you are at increased risk for developing Alzheimer's. Right. And if you have uh, close relatives that have Alzheimer's, also you're at increased risk. But it's not all this it's not just a genetic disease there's other factors that go into it that we're right. still trying to figure out right but yeah the more first degree relatives you have that have alzheimer's disease the higher your risk right so let's talk about risk stratification and you know things that might increase our risk of all cause dementia but certainly like alzheimer's dementia too 
obviously any any kind of chronic medical illness that can affect our circulatory system um, and our like cerebrovascular system for sure That's can right. can put us in danger. And so the usual culprits come mm-hmm. to mind: hypertension, mm-hmm. diabetes, high cholesterol. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and even. Um, like a very sedentary lifestyle, you know, all of all of these things can increase our risk of all all cause dementia, but certainly Alzheimer's dementia too. And so, um, Dr. Judy, you and I are family doctors. If we had a patient in front of us who's thirty something saying, "Hey, I don't want dementia when I'm in my seventies. What can I do today to try to decrease my risk?" What kind of uh, advice might you give to that person? You perfect. Know? perfect. Yes. Prevention is the key in, in, in our in our mindset. And k- please keep in mind that Alzheimer's is, it takes 20 years yeah, to develop. It it's a very long term thing. So to your point, you're exactly right. Just like with heart disease, if you don't jog for a week, you're not going to have a heart attack because of it. Right? It's, it takes a long time for these things, these lifestyle uh, challenges, problems to build up and cause right. issues uh, over time. So... You're right. The things that have the most weight with preventing dementia in in your older age, dementia generally and Alzheimer's specifically, are the healthy lifestyle changes. Yeah. So I've heard, besides what you've said about all the uh, exercise, eating eating right, right cholesterol, right, right. controlling blood pressure, you have things like green leafy vegetables, yes. uh, getting enough sleep, um, it's kind of boring. It's, it's yeah. things that people don't want to hear. People right. kind of want to say, "Well, I just want to take this 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 uh, omega threes, and I'm going to be fine," or something. Yeah. It's just not quite that simple. Yeah. And then another caveat, another grain of salt. We are still learning about what Alzheimer's really is. Exactly. We're still learning about why these plaques build up over time. Mm-hmm. How much does genetics play into it? How much is it lifestyle? Is right. brain brain trauma a, right. a problem? Is social isolation right. early on? Social determinants of social determinants are air, of health. Water, yes. Right, right. Where the zip code you live in, all these things play a factor, and so it's it's, it's a lot of moving parts. Yes, yeah. for sure. And so family doctors are always interested in helping to either slow or prevent uh, chronic disease. And so when I'm in front of patients with diabetes, with hypertension, I tell them, look, you know, we're, we're dealing with this chronic issue, but there's so much at our disposal to either keep those chronic diseases in check um, and maybe even in some cases cure those chronic diseases um, through lifestyle modification and, and with good medicine. And so with diabetes, for instance, um, you know, if controlling blood sugar is the thing, uh, one thing that patients might do is be careful with eating foods that are like full of sugars and full of carbs, especially if you live a more sedentary lifestyle and you're not going to be burning a whole lot of those um, complex sugars. Another thing that uh, I learned in doing some of this uh, Alzheimer's study is obviously an elevated blood pressure is going to increase a person's risk of vascular dementia and can increase their risk of Alzheimer's dementia. But really, um, keeping pressure under control with medicine, 
may significantly lower a person's risk of uh, Alzheimer's dementia in, in the future. Another thing that I thought was really cool is just like straight up exercise, okay? You know, moderate uh, walking programs, moderate weightlifting programs can do incredible things, not only to prolong life and to keep chronic disease in check, but really uh, to sometimes in some cases prevent uh, chronic illness like diabetes, hypertension, uh, and dementia. So um, I think all that is really cool. After COVID pandemic, I think everybody is a little bit more knowledgeable about immunotherapy. And you just said that there are monoclonal antibodies being studied right now that are helping to, well, I mean, we're trying to figure out what impact they can have on helping to slow uh, Alzheimer's dementia or improve the symptoms of Alzheimer's dementia, or maybe even in some cases prevent uh, Alzheimer's dementia. And these medicines are being studied. I think there may be one that has FDA clearance on the market right now, um, or at least last I checked, there was one out. But um, no, no medicine is without its own risk. Um, and so you, you, you describe that the monoclonal antibody is going to come in and uh, kind of activate our immune system and clean all of that yucky plaque and uh, uh, p-tau program uh, uh, p-tau protein um, out of our brains and and wash that stuff away what might be some of the side effects of having that kind of therapy you know are, are patients experiencing any weird outcome with with those kinds of things in the study or you know in anything that's commercially available now so the monoclonal antibody it by itself is really well tolerated it's right. a protein anytime you introduce a protein into a human body you can potentially get an allergic reaction to okay. it just right away in the, in the first 10 15 minutes right that's rare right but uh once it's in and if you don't have a reaction which is vast majority of people right the the monoclonal antibody itself it's it's very well tolerated it doesn't mess with kidneys muscles okay uh well, that's uh, any other tissues, right? It just yeah. it just flows around. Think about of an antibody in your body. It right. just it, it doesn't do anything until at the tip of the spear of the antibody, it it recognizes what it's made to recognize. Right. So whether it's a virus or a bacteria, or in this case, we it's made to recognize amyloid plaque. Right. So it latches on, signals the immune system, and marks that amyloid plaque for destruction. Okay. Right. That's what am, uh, uh, antibodies do. Now, in the brain, everything's all squished together, a bunch of blood vessels up in the brain. Right. And if you have a heavy plaque burden, there's going to be a lot of that removal activity going on. Yeah. Uh, white cells coming along, chewing that out. Right. So in that process of, of chewing out, you can get some inflammation. You can get some bleeding. Right. Uh, the vessel is right there or right. a bunch of that, that activity. And that's it's a it's a known side effect and it's not the medicine itself doing it it's just how you're dealing with the amyloid yes. plaque in the brain yeah so vast majority of people uh have no symptoms or minimal symptoms right that go away in a day or two without treatment right but if that fluid is big enough if there's a big enough bleed that's officially like a stroke right if it's that big again right. it's exceedingly rare i don't want to scare people but i'm just being real yeah this is one of the th potential 
side effects uh, that we can have with the study that we're doing here. Right. And now the, the study is structured where, where we, we check in on people after an infusion. Right. We do MRIs in the beginning just to peek in the brain and make sure right. we're not missing any bleeding or, or, right. or fluid. Uh, and so that's that that's potentially again the the, the downside to right 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 it's rare but it's it's something that we right we, it's on the consent we let people know that, that that's right. what can happen well and i mean look where i'm from they taught us in medical school there's no such thing as any medicine that doesn't have any risk you that's know right. even something like tylenol and ibuprofen right. uh, we accept the risk associated with that medicine of you know potential liver disease or kidney disease and these immunotherapies coming out are are newer but they're not super new immunotherapy has been used in a long time for like autoimmune disease mm-hmm. right and cancer and right. so we are now kind of foraying into the the dementia milieu um and yeah there there could be risk of poor outcome with the new medicine but i think the benefit of the immunotherapy, you know, if it's effective, hopefully it's going to far, far, far outweigh the risk of any yeah. kind of like unfortunate outcome. Yeah, but wanna, we got to do the study to know. We do. And I want to give my, the patients, the subjects we call them, because not patients, yes. uh, a shout out because almost to a person, they're motivated. They come in because they've had a close yes. family member or a close friend that yes. has gone through Alzheimer's disease, and they, they know how much it sucks. Yes. And these people are without symptoms, uh, but they're worried, and they come in, and potentially, yeah, they, there's a, a potential personal gain to it because you're getting a medicine that could help. But or placebo. <laughs> right. But even with placebo, yeah, if it's yeah. if, the, if they can get the real medicine after the study's done, right, if they get that's placebo, right. it's yeah. pretty neat. But there's also altruism uh, that most of these subjects come in with, and they'll say, I just want to also help. These are like, science champions. I, 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 I really... I, 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 every, to every person, I'll tell them, look, if this works and we have uh, finally a medicine that can help, yes. it's because of people like you. And I, yeah. I mean, it... it it, uh, it makes my heart smile. I know, yeah. right? I mean, there is no better gift. There's no better act of love for humanity and mankind than to uh, allow yourself to be a subject, you know, in one of these studies so that so that all can benefit from from the from the science and, and from the the new technologies that we have to to help us with something that really has plagued humankind for a very long time. You know, it used to be that dementia, Alzheimer's um, was like a black hole. And really Mm -hmm. there was this um, almost kind of dark joke that, you know, why why even bother going into uh, an area of medicine where there's hardly any therapy to help anyone? Mm Well, now, Never you know, is. because of the advancement of science and um, because of where we are with our diagnostic tools, um, I can see some really exciting uh, therapies coming down the pipeline. And um, it's just really great to know that Next Level gets to be a part of that. I'm glad to know that you, Dr. Judy, a science champion yourself, are kind of helping to guide patients through uh, the study as a principal investigator. And so if there's anyone listening who's interested in being screened, you know, how do they get in touch with you to, to maybe find out more about the study? 
The easiest way would be to email us, right. research at nextlevelurgentcare.com, and that's all one word. And we can let you know what you qualify for. Right. The, the Alzheimer's disease study, if you don't qualify for that, there are other really cool studies that we have. So, right. Uh, and we can put you on a list. If we get studies in the future, then, yeah, we can uh, ask you if you're interested in that as well. But awesome. so It's a small team, but it's a wonderful, it's a terrific team. Small but mighty. mighty oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tenacious. Our clinical research department is fantastic. Well, Dr. Judy, thank you so much for coming over to talk to us about Alzheimer's dementia today and the next level research involvement in Alzheimer's uh, disease. And Health Explain listeners, thank you so much for being with us. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.